Welcome to the Spilt Podcast. I'm Charlene. And I'm Tanya. We confess we are spillers. Not in the way that you may think, but it is likely you are one too. So if you've ever believed you are less than, invisible, or made to doubt yourself, we're glad you're here. We have been there, and in some respects, we're still there, because life is a journey. We are not doctors, therapists, or life coaches, but our collective life experience has taught us a thing or two. It is not a mistake that our paths are colliding today. So let's dig in, dig deep, and talk about why we spill. Welcome back to the Spilt Podcast with Charlene and Tanya. This is episode two. Hopefully you've listened to episode one and gained some insight to who we are and why we are excited to share part of our mental health journeys with you. So in our last podcast, um, I dropped the idea of mental hoarding. And today we're going to try to discuss what that might mean. Um, to research, I looked up the definition of hoarding. When you hear about hoarding, you think of someone with extreme clutter in their home, in their spaces. Um, the definition given to me is persistent difficulty, discarding or parting with possessions, regardless of their actual value. So if we were to take that idea, our concept, and plug it into mental hoarding, it's quite similar. It is difficulty parting with our past hurts, our traumas, and our dysfunctional coping mechanisms. So with that in mind, we're going to dig in a little deeper into what this might look like in your life and what it looked like in our lives. Um, I'll go first, I guess. Um, I never thought what I was doing was hoarding. I guess in the the way we've just stated, <laughs> like the typical um, definition, but I was holding on to, I guess you would call it like every little bad thing that had happened to me. And in the upcoming weeks, we're going to go deeper into each of our own personal stories and upbringings. But I would say that I had a lot of things happen to me as a child that most children do not go through. And I always felt the need to rehash those things and make them a part of me. That's what I was doing. And I thought that was necessary because that's who I was. Because this is what happened. And other people just didn't understand. And it 
I don't, I don't know what you want to say about it now. Well, I, I have um, a sordid background as well in my upbringing and my childhood, even into my adulthood. And I held on to all of these things because I believed that they were my identity. That's how I was defined as a person, that they defined me. And I, it was almost as though I held on to them like a, like my cherished treasures. Um, that shaped me into who I was. And if I started letting them like, you know, come out of my box and I quit stuffing them, then one, there was, I was afraid because I felt like without these things, who am I? And um, it took me a long time to discover that those things didn't define who I was because I'm a spiritual woman and I discovered that who I was was who God says I was and that none of those things were actually even serving me well. As Tanya said, it overflowed into our relationships. It overflowed every aspect of our my life. And... um It's hard work to let go of those things. Um, I relied a lot on coping mechanisms and those served me well in my past, but not in my present. And there's that cliche, if you keep looking at your past, you'll miss your present. Um, you won't be able to see it. And I was kind of, in a sense, I felt stuck. Um, in my mental hoarding of all these things that I thought defined me, I ended up putting up all these coping mechanisms and one day I felt like I was boxed myself in. I was boxed in. And now I've had to un... because I thought I was protecting myself. And then I had to been taking each of these boxes or bricks down one by one and it's a process. Yeah, and I think... Because we experienced something traumatic as children, a child tends to deal with trauma differently. Um, I would say my coping mechanism was to be perfect. Mm. I was quiet. I didn't talk about things that upset me. 
I didn't want anyone to see me upset. I um, wanted to be good mm-hmm. all the time. Just to be so good. <laughs> um, and that I really thrived off of people telling me that I was good as well. Um, but I think that that's probably typical that it's one extreme or the other because so many other kids react and they act out from there. (laughs) So you have a different perspective. I do. I did act out. I still try to be a quote unquote good girl. But as I got into my um, teenage years, I went the opposite direction um, because of the nature of my traumas. Um, It wasn't until adulthood, meeting my husband and discovering God, I will joke and say I was raised by heathens, but... Um, we never went to church in my family, but my husband was a Christian man and brought me to know the Lord. And then I tried to be good on my own. And I realized that I'm not good because I'm good. I'm good because of what Christ did for me. That's what makes me good. So. I was, I took it to the opposite extreme. So I've been in both camps acting out and trying to be perfect. I, um, I think I associated, um, guilt with some of my childhood trauma. Well, I know I did. Um, And I had, because what what I went through, my whole family was going through. And um, even though I was the youngest in the family at the time, maybe I felt this need to be okay and not talk about the sad things or the bad things. So that no one else would also be feeling sad. I, I I immediately, as long as I can remember, I don't even, I don't want to say like, I guess I had such deep empathy that I wanted to protect them as well. And I started that and that's just a form of people pleasing that I did. People pleasing, um, not wanting to rock the boat, have someone else upset. Um, but yeah, that's how that's how I perceived it. Well, that's how we can get into that topic of developing habits. And we don't even realize that we're doing it. Um, and it's actually a form of, in my mind, a self-preservation almost. 
because especially when you're young, it doesn't matter when trauma hits. It doesn't matter if you're a child or an adult. When trauma hits, there's like a a switch that goes off. And unless you actually know how to deal with it and can recognize it, you end up developing habits that just aren't healthy for you any longer. And and there's things that you do and you don't even realize that you're doing them. Right. Yep. So when you mention habits, um, also our belief systems, mm-hmm. how we were raised, mm-hmm. all these are coming into play. And you, your brain is getting accustomed, your mind, of how things are going to work. And you, once you've made that habit, and so when you realize you've kind of gone about it all wrong, um, and you need to start letting go of these things that are not your identity, um, they're actually harming you to hold on to the thoughts and beliefs. Um, it is a, I would say, it's a hard task to have your brain think differently than for me, I probably let my brain think that way over 40 years. <laughs> I guess you're probably close to that. Absolutely close to that. And I still struggle with letting <laughs> my brain think that way. Um, because when my box gets over full and I'm spilling all over the place, I have an innate go-to response. Part of it is clothed in anger, and the other part is clothed in withdrawing from people and going into myself as a form of my self-preservation. And I have to think through the steps of like, okay, what just happened? Why are you responding this way? I have to do self-talk and walk myself through it so that I don't get stuck again. <laughs> so I feel like I'm on the, always on that 21-day how to break a habit plan because things pop up in life. Yeah. So we were going to talk a little bit about who we were before we realized that we were spilling. And for me, I I kept things together. Like I would get compliments 
on being a good mother and how do I handle so much because I have a large family and I'm doing all these things. And that was how I coped. Like, I don't, I won't say that I was a perfectionist because I know I wasn't, but I kind of strive to be a perfectionist and always felt a little disappointed, but I definitely was a people pleaser. Um, I definitely wrapped my, um, identity up into how did I perform today? Did I get it all done? Is my husband going to walk in the door and be wowed or is he going to see what I missed. Mm. And if I, if I missed something, then that means that day was a failure. That's the way I would do it. Um, th- that's the kind of the unhealthy things I was doing. Um, I, I think I was trying to create like this ideal home life. Because of, you know, I, I had a good home life, but things had happened. And my family was not traditional. So I was trying to create that, that perfect traditional family. And I put a lot of pressure on myself. I didn't realize how much pressure I was putting on myself until I cracked. And then once I cracked and like, we say we're spilling, then I thought I wasn't doing anything right. I would even sit there and think, my poor kids, look what they're seeing as as a mother. Look what they used to have and look what they have now. That's something I used to tell myself. Oh, I'm right there (laughs) with you, girl. I can identify in everything that Tanya just said because... I was trying to be the best, perfect Christian mother and wife. And I felt as though my new identity I was trying to make for myself because I categorized my life in bad Charlene and good Charlene, that now I had to take on this other persona. And when I didn't, do everything right I was a failure I wasn't a good wife I wasn't a good mother I you know wasn't a good daughter I wasn't a good friend it go on and on down the list um and as Tanya stated my home life was not traditional either and I wanted for my kids to have what I didn't have. But maybe that's not what they needed either. They needed a mother that could be her authentic self. And that takes practice. I have to practice it because it's scary. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I'll say even when I had the 
analogy of the cup about spelling that I was finally talking to a professional and knowing like I'm not okay anymore. Um, I still did not get it for a few more years. I knew I was suddenly experiencing depression that I hadn't had before. It hadn't manifested as depression. And then I could not get out of that depressive state because that was the time when I just started thinking, well, no wonder I'm depressed. Do you know what happened to me when I was little? Do you know this and that? And I had, you know, I would add all the things up and I just constantly kept not really talking about it with others as much as just like inside my own head, rehashing what happened. So the only way I was able to to stop is to finally identify that my thoughts are not all true. Like we have a lot of thoughts every day. Everybody does. You can't help it. Um, and for some reason, we give way too much validity to that thoughts. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So once you realize, oh, yeah, I thought I was a terrible mother today because I messed up and I ended up just ordering pizza or whatever. Um, mm. But it's actually not true because instead you look at it, my kids were fed today. That's right. Or, you know, it could be something simple, but I'm just saying once you start accepting that sometimes, some days just don't go as planned, especially when you have little kids and things are going on. Plus we have our kids at home all day, homeschooling, or maybe we had a terrible day at homeschooling. Oh, my kids are going to fail and they're never going to get jobs. I don't know. You would just, that is where my brain would go. I'm very to the extreme because, and you just realize that's not true. Um, so also, even if, even if everything went wrong, um, that doesn't diminish who we are. That doesn't. It's not an attack on our character or any of those things. So it, but that was just, it took years of me that retraining my brain. That's not what it is. This is not my worth to be perfect and have anyone else think I'm perfect. And you, and I have not completely there, but I don't care anymore. You have to learn not to care if someone else is silently judging you or thinks you're a mess, whatever. It doesn't matter. Yes. One of the most profound things that my therapist told me, you need to stop worrying about what other people think about you, Charlene, because they're not thinking about you. That is true. Because people have their own stuff. That is right. Um, if they are spending too much time to think about you, something's wrong with them. <laughs> they <laughs> that is a so lot. true. Yeah. Um, but I don't know why 
that we could get so caught up into that worry. And it's even a lot of times people we aren't that close to. That's right. I mean, I'm afraid to wear shorts in public because I'm afraid what people are going to think of me. And I don't even know these people. And I wore shorts today to her house to show her that it's okay to wear shorts. Yes, she did. <laughs> um, so we do silly things like that to lift each other up. Yes. So in light of all that Tanya was saying about it's okay to make mistakes. I don't want to even say we made mistakes. It's okay to not be perfect. Um, and yes, we all have our stories to tell. But one thing I'm realizing is that I can look back now and say I'm thankful for my story because it has made me a more self-aware woman. It's made me a stronger woman. It's made me be able to come to this place where I can see myself as um, a person, a woman that my story is not even finished yet. And that I'm developing new habits to help me on that journey of being who God intended me to be. And that in itself is worth its weight in gold. Um. Who we were, I would kept trying to go back to being who I used to be instead of trying to be who I am now. Because I kept telling myself, oh, if I could just be that mom, that girl, that wife, then I could get it all right again. But I'm discovering that why can't it be a little bit of that and a little bit of new? Or maybe I don't want any of the old. Um, I think once you realize you can't erase any of the past, it's not possible. Um, so because you went through this journey and you had a period of depression, that's still part of it. That's part of the story. So what happened when you were younger and what happened when you were trying to be so good and perfect and all those things, what happened when you didn't feel like getting out of bed some days? That's right. All of it is part of it. And you don't... can't take it away. Um, instead of what I tell myself now, instead of holding on to, to things, bad things, sad things that I used to just dwell on, 
I just accept that they happened and that I learned something from them. And it can be like part of you, but it's not you. There's only parts. Um, so that's how I feel like I've evolved. That is, that is so true because all of it made us into who we are now. And every step of the way, we did learn something. And I can say personally, I am still learning because, as we say, life is a journey. And whatever has gotten started in me, I want to see where it goes. I want to... Remember, I felt like I didn't want to uncover any of it because I felt like free falling. But now I want to live free. I want to live free and then be able to develop new habits and new tools for when I feel myself spilling. So, in case. Any of you think we're being vague <laughs> because we're not really telling exactly what happened um, on the upcoming podcast we have planned. Charlene and I were going to conduct interviews. Um, I'm not sure who's going to go first, but that will help us go deeper into each of our stories. And then maybe this episode is going to make a little more sense. That's what I'm thinking. Yes. So you have to listen for future podcasts <laughs> so you can hear the, what got us to this place, the, the real story. And everything will come together. Thanks for joining us today. Hopefully, something we discussed resonated with you. We encourage you to challenge your thoughts and feelings as you move through this week in an effort to prevent unnecessary spilling. Join us again next Tuesday for another Spilt episode with Charlene and Tanya.